0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile. 5G now with you.
0: BFM 89.9, I'm Chong Sun, and this is The Breakfast Grill. Pengerang Energy Complex is developing one of the largest and most competitive aromatics complexes in the world to be strategically located within the Pengerang Integrated Petroleum Complex in Johor, Malaysia. The project is expected to achieve financial close soon and completion is slated for 2026. It aims to cater to the growing fuel-related commodities across the growing regional Asian markets. Pengerang Energy Complex is forecasting an export turnover of $5 billion but is this a realistic target with more competition on the horizon and if a recession in 2023 lasts a bit longer than expected joining us in the studio is Elwin Borden he's CEO of Pengerang Energy Complex thank you for joining us this morning One is the master developer and majority shareholder through its sponsorship in PEC can you give us some history on how a Singapore-based petrochemicals green energy and natural resources conglomerate managed to in this role what is the structure this deal
1: okay yeah so uh chem one has been around for some time uh, 40 plus years uh they've been operating uh in a smaller way in Chemicals and fine chemicals uh, throughout Southeast Asia. Uh, they've been pretty successful at doing that. Uh, they are now moving to the next level on a number of fronts. Uh, and as as you said, one of them is moving towards green energy. Uh, the second one is is to moving towards larger scale uh, developments. Uh, they've previously done one larger scale development in Singapore, which was the Jurong Aromatics project, um, and that was very successfully brought into operation. Uh, uh, and is now operated by, uh, by ExxonMobil. Uh, and we decided uh, at the time that uh, there was still scope for further such plants, especially as technology was moving on. Uh, and further plants would be much more competitive than the existing plants. So we started looking around for a location uh, and we found uh, a location at PIPC in Johor, uh, a location that was uh, very much ideal for for this kind of project. Um, One of the main factors for that being that uh, it has access to uh, deep water so it can accommodate any any size of vessel uh, and it's at the centre of the trade hubs. So we can procure from anywhere in the world and ship to final markets uh, uh, readily from that location. And and the other huge plus point, of course, is it is a designated zone for this kind of project. Uh, And Petronas are there in a fairly major way. Uh, already. uh, And as a result of that, all of the infrastructure is already in place to support a project such as ours.
0: According to your website, the timeline for Pengarang Energy Complex to achieve financial close is early 2023, EPCC commencement in mid of 2023 and start up late 2026. The timeline has been delayed where construction was initially supposed to start in second half of 2020. What caused this delay and is this new timeline still on track? Okay,
1: we have a very complex project. Uh, it, is, uh, it is supported by project finance. Uh, that project finance is supported by guarantees from various export credit agencies around the world. Uh, so effectively, uh, European, uh, US governments will be uh, supporting the financing uh, for the project. They are extremely demanding in, in how the project is analysed. Uh, And uh, we, through the process, have have met a number of hurdles uh, that have meant that we've had to go into much more detail uh, on many different fronts than would normally be expected. So we've been in a situation where we've seen oil prices at their lowest ever levels. We've seen oil prices at their highest ever levels, uh, both of which requires a complete reanalysis of the project. Uh, And then we've seen the... uh, the impact of COVID, uh, which held us up for for quite a considerable period of time, uh, and now we've got the impact of the uh, Ukraine war, which has impacted heavily on on uh, on, on cost uh, structures for the project. Uh, so all of these factors, at, at each one of these events, have required us to reanalyze the project completely. This project is is analyzed to death almost. So uh, you know it, it is built. Uh, it is designed, conceived in such a way that it can, it can uh, still uh, be profitable under all of these various circumstances. So whilst we've, whilst we've had delays... Whilst we've hit obstacles, it's actually made us stronger for the future.
0: But is this delay a blessing in disguise? Looking at uh, one of your competitors, Lotte Chemical Titans, third quarter numbers, its losses widened and was also loss-making at the gross profit and EBITDA levels for the first time due to softening polymer prices, while analysts are also expecting a poor fourth quarter of 2022 and also a poor 2023.
1: Yeah, in hindsight, uh, because of the factors that I just mentioned, yes. It is a blessing in disguise, uh, and I think it is a fact that if we if we look at the markets from our perspective, uh, we'll be going in at uh, just the right time uh, when we enter into operation later in 2026 uh, and 2027 should be even further improvement from there. Uh, so yes, going going in at that timing uh, will be better for the project than going in now. That is for sure.
0: I understand the contract amount is USD 4.4 billion. With Marie Technimon of Italy being 1's EPCC uh, partner for the project, is this a fixed price contract, or does it take into account any fluctuations in raw material prices?
1: No. So uh, the four point—it's actually four point five billion—is the total investment cost for the project. The EPC is one component of that. Uh, There's obviously all the financing costs to be there as well. Uh, There's other developments outside of the EPC that is included in that cost. The EPC contract itself is a fixed lump sum price contract uh, whereby the contractor bears responsibility for for materials uncertainty for escalation etc
0: right. what sort of participation will we see from some of the local epcc players is there any minimum amount imposed by the government of malaysia
1: there's not a minimum amount imposed by the government but there is a large amount of local uh, construction to be undertaken. Uh, We believe it's around uh, $1.2 billion worth of uh, local contracts that will be executed. Uh, And that comes across the work that we require directly for for our plant uh, and also the work that the supporting infrastructure will bring, uh, particularly all the construction that will be done at Dialogue to support our project. And Dialogue, as you know, is a Malaysian entity itself.
0: And the PEC will be located in Johor and will support the dedicated PIPC or the Pengarang Integrated Petroleum Complex. How important or strategic is this location in terms of access to international feedstock sources and to support supply key product demand centers in Asia?
1: Yeah, so uh, obviously we we have some fairly major partners. I, I can't name them because we have to wait for contracts to be signed. Uh, we have uh, major international uh, energy companies supporting us for, for our supply of feedstocks. Uh, and we have major traders and end users supporting us for our end product. Uh, all of those parties believe that we are in probably the best possible location currently one, because of the deep water that I mentioned earlier. There are not many facilities uh, producing Parazilene, uh, which is our key product, uh, that have that deep water capability and can supply, therefore, in much larger quantities. Uh, so that, that is giving us an edge in the market, uh, particularly the new facilities coming in, in uh, India and locations such as that, uh, and also our central location. The market... The market is growing uh, for pyrazin in Southeast Asia. It's growing in South Asia, uh, and it it will grow again in China also. So we're ideally centrally located for all of that.
0: What sort of incentives, uh, tax breaks, allowances will this facility enjoy, and for how long? Uh,
1: so we we have uh, we have a full suite of uh, of tax allowances uh, and incentives. Uh, in accordance with the normal practice of the Malaysian government. Uh, and that has been negotiated some time ago. Uh, and we will be supported for for the first uh, 10 years of our production. Uh, and uh, Malaysian government have gone well beyond... Those incentives. Uh, they've they've also recommended this location to us. They helped us to find the land, etc. Uh, they're helping us to find investors in in Malaysia, uh, and they're helping us to to bring Malaysian banks in to support us. So so we're very grateful for all the support that has come from the Malaysian government.
0: According to News wires, uh, European, American, Japanese, Chinese, and Thai petrochemical players have committed to offtake the products. Isn't this early days since completion is in end 2026? What sort of contracts are these and what are the commitments in terms of amounts and time frame? Yeah,
1: so this is, this is linked to uh, the financing for the project uh, where we are under what is called project finance. Uh, under project finance, uh, we have to have all of the contracts in place before we start. Uh, the benefit of it is is that uh, all of the money will also be in place before we start so this is not a this is not a kind of project where you're raising money as you go through this one everything is in place uh, up front uh, and in order to achieve that uh, we have to sign the the uh, feedstock supply contracts we have to supply the offtake contracts because that is where the margin for the project comes from hence the money that is available to pay the debt uh, as to the type of contracts we're signing Thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are all very long-term contracts, almost unheard of for for, uh, for major energy companies to enter into uh, contracts with these kind of time terms. Uh, so basically, we're looking at 12-year contracts uh, and on the uh, supply side, they're on supply supply or pay basis and on the off take on uh, take or pay basis.
0: A key feedstock is uh, NAFTA, where prices have softened off late. What are the feedstock requirements for the plant? Can you give us an idea in terms of of sourcing and inventory strategies that you will adopt?
1: Yeah, so uh, we, we will be using condensates as our feedstock. Uh, Condensates, a uh, uh, liquid product uh, coming from, uh, from natural gas uh, fields, uh, those condensates, we have chosen to go down that route uh, because uh, they take less processing than, than other forms of feedstock uh, and uh, they are more environmentally friendly than other feedstocks. So we get energy benefits, we get uh, carbon footprint benefits. Uh, we will convert those condensates uh, into uh, our, into naphtha uh, which will then give us the feedstock for for our aromatics plant uh, and the balance will go out as as uh, fuels uh, going to southeast asia basically but uh, with condensates we get a much better conversion from from feedstock to to uh, aromatics than you would with any other kind of feedstock
0: would you have an outlook in terms of the feedstock or the NAFTA prices uh, for this year and next year?
1: Uh, it's fairly stable at the moment uh, and uh, it will increase. Uh, but it's really, it's really in, as we said, in 2026 that we see the, the major increases coming. Uh, why 2026? Because there's a lot of additional downstream capacity uh, which will require Parazolene that is coming on stream. Uh, And also, uh, that is the point in time where if you look at China, uh, there's an inflection in the import uh, requirements of China. So uh, whereas the import requirements of China had been going down, uh, at that point, it will start going up. So that's that's the basis.
0: The cost structure of the industry is also characterised by a high degree of operating leverage. I understand many integrated producers across Asia are unable to cover even their cash production costs. What are some of your other main cost components? How about the increase in gas and electricity tariffs?
1: Uh, We will be uh, using uh, power, obviously. We will purchase that uh, at market rates in in Malaysia. Uh, The rest, most of what we need is is uh, self-generated by by our own conversion of condensates into, into product. Uh, so, so we will have a lot of energy uh, generated within the plant itself. Um, so we don't really see that as a, as a factor.
0: Can you talk a bit about, about uh, financing? I understand the senior debt financing is estimated at just under $3 billion. What sort of response did you receive for this project financing?
1: Yeah, so uh, all of the uh, all of the debt, other than around 6 or 7% is covered by ECA guarantees. Uh, the ECAs uh, have already uh, undertaken to support at that level. Uh, and uh, the senior lenders to come in behind that uh, are all identified already, uh, and so uh, that that part of the debt is is basically closed. Um, that leaves that other six or so percent that's not covered by export credit agencies, uh, and that is being closed now. That's the final component. So most of the debt is already. They're available to us for this project.
0: On the breakfast grill this morning is Elwin Bowden, CEO of Pungarang Energy Complex. When we come back, we will speak to him on its revenue forecast, competition, and industry dynamics. BFM 89.9.
1: You are listening to the breakfast grill, brought to you by U Mobile. 5G now with you.
0: BFM 89.9, welcome back to The Breakfast Grill. In the hot seat is Elwin Bowden, CEO of Pengarang Energy Complex. Before the break, we spoke on the project as a whole, key cost components and financing obligations. Elwin, according to media reports, PEC is forecasting an export turnover of $5 billion. What is is the basis for this forecast, the timeframe and how realistic does it look now?
1: Uh, the basis for the forecast is uh, is uh, world's renowned consultants uh, and uh, it's based on look forward and look uh, look back as well um, and uh, it's based on contracts that are uh, on take or pay basis uh, so uh, with with very major partners and so uh, all of the key ingredients are there in place to to make sure that happens uh, and uh, As far as the market itself is concerned, as we discussed earlier, uh, we've looked very hard at uh, when is the right point for this project. Uh, And we're coming at the point when demand will go up and we're very confident to make our, our necessary revenues from this. Maybe something maybe something else as well uh, we haven't touched on yet in this discussion, uh, and that is that uh, this plant is, is very latest generation uh, of, a, of this type of plant. And when I say very latest generation, I mean it will be absolutely the latest generation when it goes into production. The technology is by the market leader, UOP, uh, and uh, the result of that being that latest generation is, is that we have a much uh, lower cost structure uh, than previous generations generations uh, and much lower energy requirements
0: also. The plant is expected to produce close to 2 million tonnes annually of uh, peroxylene, or PX, a key building block in the manufacturing of polyester fibres and many essential plastics. I understand prices uh, have come off in second half of last year. Where do you see the movement going forward, factoring a potential global recession this this year?
1: Yeah, so the, the demand for the end product Uh, is still sustained and it will continue to be sustained and it still has growth and will continue to have growth. So uh, whilst whilst you go through periods of difficulty and there has been uh, some periods of difficulty uh, and there may may be some more difficulties over the coming year, uh, the long-term prospect uh, for for parazymia is very strong.
0: PEC is potentially looking to expand into biofuels and olefins production, which will enable it to produce renewable jet fuel. What is the timeline for this and how big can this market be?
1: We, uh, unlike a lot of uh, similar facilities, we're a net producer of hydrogen in our PEC plant. Uh, And so we have the chance to use some of our hydrogen to produce uh, sustainable jet fuel uh, in an HVO plant. So we're planning to build an HVO plant uh, next door to, to the PEC plant. Uh, and uh, that HVO plant uh, will be based on uh, new forms of uh, of uh, feedstock, um, which are going through approval for, for sale in, in Europe. Uh, and uh, we would expect uh, that this plant will be much faster to construct than PEC itself would be. So even though we'll be starting late, we won't, we won't actually start the financing for that project until we've completed the financing for PEC. Um, we believe that we will finish the HVO plant at the same time as PEC. So the two plants will be able to go into operation concurrently. Uh, and and uh, that will allow us to produce uh, renewable jet fuel. Uh, it will allow us to blend uh, that jet fuel in the appropriate uh, uh, blend with uh, with the uh, jet fuel produced from PEC, uh, and therefore to be able to provide uh, sustainable jet to customers on a long-term basis.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but in this industry, elevated oil prices matter less. What matters is the spread between the selling prices of PX, polymer prices, and the NAFTA cost, which makes the nature of the business extremely volatile. The spread has narrowed in second half of last year, making the prospects of the business in the near term less desirable. What can be done to smoothen the nature of this business? Yeah,
1: so the new the new plants are overall much more competitive at cost, Cost of production level, uh, and also uh, when you look at uh, break-even point of construction based on PX to nap the spread, uh, the break-even point has dropped dramatically. So uh, being the very latest generation plant means means that we effectively have uh, last man standing uh, status in that we will have the lowest break-even cost of production. So uh, what, is, what is happening over the years, what has happened over the years, is that earlier generations were much smaller plants. They're much less competitive. Um, they, they have to be upgraded in order to continue to compete. It reaches a point where, where it's not economically feasible to continue to upgrade and they will go out of production. So, so then, therefore, it will be the new plants such as ours that will dominate. Uh, and the bulk of, of the new plants uh, of, of of similar type to ours have actually been built in China, uh, and uh, they're going into operation now. Um, uh, and they will all be completed uh, before PEC is completed. Uh, when we go in, we will be uh, the largest of our type outside of China, uh, and, and we will be... Uh, probably the last of our type of plant for some time uh, because If someone wants to start building one now, you'll be looking at another five-year window before they'll actually be able to to get uh, close to uh, being in production with it.
0: During its uh, 45-month construction phase, PEC is expected to hire over 7,000 employees and it's expected to retain over 200 employees for operations and maintenance once commercial production commences. Uh, Can you tell us how easy or difficult it has been to source key skilled labour now?
1: Yeah, so... uh a comment about that is, is that uh, there's a number of things. Firstly, uh, we we have experienced contractors uh, who have experience of operating in PIPC, uh, who have already previously recruited to uh, labour uh, and met the labour requirements that they had, uh, and we also have uh, the the very strong example of dialogue uh, and and our PIPC contractors who've worked through COVID uh, and despite COVID restrictions have still been able to deliver their projects on time. So we believe that uh, by, by carefully choosing uh, our contractors, uh, we are in a very strong position to be sure of, of our delivery.
0: Can you speak a little bit about potential competition? I understand that Lotte Chemical will be building a similar facility in Indonesia. Do you expect to be taking market share from them?
1: When we conceived this plant, uh, it was conceived that... that really, China would be our key market, and uh, we recognised at the time that there was a number of new plants being built in China. Uh, and uh, we did, were not targeting to compete with those Chinese plants. We were targeting to compete with existing facilities that were supplying into China. In other words, we were going for the import requirement of China. So, which which is there regardless of of uh, of any a uh, new plant coming up now in China. So we will continue on that basis uh, and and we will uh, expect that smaller and older plants will go out of production uh, and that will leave us uh, in a better position in those markets. Um, but now we've also found from our key off-takers that we are going to see a lot of demand coming from Southeast Asia itself, which wasn't previously anticipated. Uh, and also from from uh, India. And, and we now have uh, new prospects that have come from South America. So uh, our net is widening uh, and, and our markets uh, are becoming much more global. We started off with a simple China story. We're no longer a simple China story. Uh, the rest of the world has become material uh, to our future plans
0: industry dynamics uh, where research shows the global aromatics market is is expected to grow at a compounded annual growth rate of close to 6% to hit uh, US dollars 382 billion by 2030 and a key driving factor is the rising demand for aromatics from the end-use industry such as automotive textiles building and construction activities can you give us an idea in terms of the nearer term growth say in the next two or three years since we're in the cusp of a potential global recession and what would demand for global plastics look like?
1: The main markets that we're targeting is uh, fibers markets. Growth for fibers uh, continues to be reasonable. It's not as much as it was currently, um, but still, uh, there's still 3% or so growth out there. And uh, those long-term forecasts are, are correct and that it will go back up to the kind of levels that you that you just mentioned. Uh, and, and so uh, on the basis of, of what we know to be the capacity that is being built around the world for production of PX, We we believe strongly that there's uh, there's plenty of space for PEC plant to be very successful. As I said, after 2026.
0: On that note, thank you for your time today on the Breakfast Grill. Was Elwin Bowden, CEO of Pengerang Energy Complex. I am Chong Jiansan, BFM 89.9.
1: The BFM Breakfast Grill is brought to you by U Mobile Five G now with you.
0: You have been listening to a podcast